Hey everyone, welcome to Tales from the Pros, and this is Michael Giorgio, your host and co-founder of Imaginovation. My special guest with me here today is Fritz Lehman, who is a business leader and currently the Chief Operating Officer at Zencos. Fritz brings 34 years of experience in all aspects of solutions, sales, delivery, and customer support from his time at SaaS, culminating from the role of Executive Vice President and Chief Customer Officer prior to retiring from SaaS in 2018. This is Tales from the Pros, where business leaders and influencers share their stories of inspiration, struggles, and successes. And I'm your host, Michael Giorgio. Fritz, it's a real pleasure having you here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate you putting me on. Absolutely. So Fritz, just to kind of uh, get the ball rolling, how, can you give us a little experience, a little background um, on your story and, and how you got to where you are today as a business leader? Yeah, absolutely. I um, graduated from the University of Oklahoma, spent some time. Uh, I was a swimmer at the University of Oklahoma four years. And um, oh, wow. yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of work. But, you know, when I, when I was done, uh, I got a degree in education and I spent some time coaching at the university and uh, started to program, started to take some programming classes while I was there and realized that it was something I like to do. Now, as it, you know, if I were to go into my life history, as it turns out, my mother, who has a Ph.D. in statistics, was the 24th employee at SAS Institute. So uh, I was kind of lamenting one day and said, hey, mom, I just I just don't know that I want to finish up uh, you know, with another degree. And she said, hey, why don't you move out to North Carolina? We'll we'll see if this. SAS thing works out for you. So I interviewed. Um, it turns out they were in a very, in a very large growth time, and uh, they hired me into tech support. So I got my first job in the industry in tech support. I answered the phones four hours a day and took care of SAS customers. So I, it was my first support role. I went from there, and I decided I wanted to teach because I have a degree in education. So I went over to the education division at SAS and taught for a long time. Um, you know, then I, I tend to get itchy every three or four years. I wanted to go ahead and uh, see if I could actually program for a living. So I got into R&D, got into consulting, got back into R&D. Uh, eventually, uh, I moved up through the management chain and I ran uh, consulting in the United States. All the, all the stars started to align. The next thing I know, I'm running consulting uh, for SaaS all over the, uh, for global. Uh, everybody in the world did, did consulting. And then I also got tech support global, uh, education global. Uh, publications and a uh, customer loyalty. So, you know, perseverance got me into a, a spot where, um, you know, all of the all the jobs that I did that were customer support kind of rolled up into one big job where I was completely in charge of customer support at SAS. And that's my life story. Right. <laughs> yeah. Great. So I, I love how you mentioned perseverance. So it took a, a lot of grit, just a lot of fight to work up the the ladder in SaaS. Because SaaS is about how many how many employees does SaaS have? There's over uh, ten thousand, right? Fourteen thousand and change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's it's pretty cool. I, I love how you mentioned um, that you were in tech support because um, you know my my you know the the guy who you met when we yeah. we've met previously face to face and you met uh, uh, Pete Pranzo. He's my business partner at Imagine Ovation. He was at SaaS yeah. for like six years at tech support, and then my brother George. He's also currently at SaaS and tech support. So this is good for them to to listen to yeah. this interview, and especially with my brother trying to work his way up. And it's just um, it's great insight and well, a, I, advice for him. So cool. you know, if I had one thing to say about that, uh, and obviously then your brother worked for me. He may not have known that, but he worked for me. <laughs> 
But the one thing I'd say about uh, getting a job in tech support, and I said this, you know, shortly after I was there because I didn't totally appreciate it when I had the job, is tech support is probably the single best job for somebody to have when they're starting out in a company like SaaS. And I think you can apply it to almost any any company because, you know, at the end of the day, your job is to answer the phone. And on the other end of the phone is typically a customer who is having a problem. So you have an opportunity then to, you know, to be the hero, right? You, you're going to, you, you've got somebody, maybe who has got a deadline they can't make and, and you're the one who's going to help them, you know, you know, maybe save their job for all you know. So, you know, every time you pick up the phone and somebody's at the other end of it, you have an opportunity to do something great for your company, but you also have an opportunity to do something great for the individual on the other side. And you never know how big a deal it is for that individual on the other side. And I've gotten calls, you know, from folks who say, you know, you guys saved my job. You know, I had a deadline. I ran into a problem. I didn't know how to do it. And, you know, Jane or John or whoever was, you know, was on the support call stayed on, made sure I got my answer, made sure, you know, that I was going to be successful and literally saved my job. So you never know, you know, when you're talking to somebody, what's going to happen. And I think that's an important thing to remember. Yeah, it's so true, you know, because, um, you know, I, I've talked to my brother um, in the past in regards to his job. And he said, it's it's crazy how much you can make a difference. I think now he's in a different division in SAS, but when he was there uh, for over four years, he was just yeah. saying that when you, when, when you, you know, you're working hard and you under, you have the skill set and you, you have the experience and you understand the, the SaaS product or wherever you're working, right. uh, you know, wh- whatever product right. or service that you're supporting, um, it, you can make a huge difference to on the other end. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and you could really potentially save, save the life of that person yeah. in their company. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty crazy. I mean, I could, I could, um, I could tell stories about it all day long, but I, I used to give a speech about, you know, understanding the, the, the importance of doing the little things. And, I, and I'll just tell you a real quick story is, you know, I mean, yeah. I retired a year ago, but I was standing in the lobby here at the conference and a gentleman walks up to me who said, hey, Fritz, and actually said Mr. Lehman, but, you know, hey, Fritz, um, you don't know who I am. And, and as it turns out, he works for me or worked for me in the Middle East someplace. And I recognize his name, but he was right. I really didn't know who he was. He said, but you remember giving a speech two years ago? about doing the little things in life because the little things add up to be big things. And it's the little things that actually make a customer happy. And I said, sure, I mean, I, I remember you doing it. And he said, I just wanted to let you know, right, that on that day, you changed the way I looked at things because I wasn't thinking about the little things. I was always swinging for the fence and trying to get a home run or, you know, something like that. And, um, but that goes back to the exact point we're making is when you're talking to people or you're in a support role, a management role, whatever it is, you never know when you're going to say something or do something, whether it's big or small, that could have a direct impact on the life of that person that hears it. And sometimes you won't know it, but periodically somebody will walk up and go, I just want to thank you for what you did, said, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, from a leadership standpoint, and I know I'm probably getting off topic here a little bit, I, I, I think, no, I think perfect, those yeah. in, a, in a customer support role or a management role, which are really not all that different. You, you should never underestimate that what you're saying, somebody's going to listen to, and it could have a profound impact on their life. Uh, and it, and I got to tell you, it is really, really cool when it happens and somebody comes up and says, do you remember when you said? Sometimes yeah. it just takes, it just, it, it's just a, a change in perspective, right? Of where you're at. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. But, you know, it. but if you also recognize, if you recognize that, you know, when you're talking to people, it's important. 
you know, take it seriously, have respect for the people that are in front of you. Um, good things typically happen. Yeah, that's that's great advice, uh, advice Fritz. Um, and and I know now you I know you mentioned before um, that you retired from SaaS about a year yeah. ago or a little over a year ago. So um, you're no you're now at Zencos. Um, yeah. So can you kind of tell us a little bit about what what Zencos does and and why uh, essentially you chose to be a part of of the Zencos team instead of um, I, I think you said you were going to retire, but you instead yeah. um, chose chose that company. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I kind of joke with people that really what happened, I, I thought I was going to retire and, you know, sail off into the sunset. Uh, but what really happened is I just needed a vacation. I, you know, I had worked, uh, you know, seven days a week for a long, long time. Uh, so we're, what I really ended up doing is taking a two month vacation. And after about two months, um, I kind of ran out of things to do. I rebuilt my mother's fence. I did, you know, I fixed the toilets. I did all the things that you're supposed to do. Right. So I did all that. And then I kind of ran out of things to do now. <laughs> The guys that own Zenkos are old friends of mine, Ben Zenick and um, uh, David, David Septoff. They're, they're very old friends of mine. I've known David for over 30 years. I think I've known Ben for over 20 years. So their company is a SaaS consulting company. And I, when I, in my previous role at SaaS, I used them all the time. All right? they, I, if you know, I had overflow, I needed, you know, I needed people with specific skills, we'd call right. Zenkos because they're, they're very, very good at what they do. So you know, they called me and said, hey, you know, have you got any interest in, you know, getting, you know, getting back into work or coming in and working for us? My, my initial response was now, you know, really, I'm, I'm going to retire. But once I realized that, you know, my work life wasn't done, and I used to say this to people all the time, they'd say, how do you know when you're going to retire? And I'd say, when I'm done, and I'll know when I'm done. Well, I realized that I wasn't done, but I was done working for a big company. I wasn't interested in going back and, you know, mm -hmm. having the responsibility of 4,000 employees around the world. I just didn't want to do that anymore. So they gave me an opportunity to come in and become the chief operating officer, which means I'm responsible for a lot of the day-to-day -day operations. And, um, you know, they, they wanted somebody with experience who's going to help them grow to be a bigger organization because that's not the experience they have. They want to get bigger. They want to grow. Uh, but they recognize that when that happens, management becomes a different thing entirely. So, you know, they said, why don't you come work here? If it doesn't work out, no harm done. We've been friends forever. And, and uh, you know, we, we'll you know, we'll agree to, uh, to do something else. But, and now, you know, I've said this to a thousand people here at the SAS conference. I'm happier than I've been in years. It's small. Uh, it gives me an opportunity to do things that I haven't done in years at a level that I haven't done them. Um, and I get to, and again, I get to work directly with a bunch of people that I like and I get to stay connected to the SAS world where, you know, frankly, for 34 years, I was there. They're my family. I grew up with them. So it lets me stay connected with that as well. So I get the best of all worlds. It's a good fine balance. You're not a, a large enterprise no. corporation, but you're kind of not a startup either. So it's something in the middle. Yeah. And you feel yeah. and you feel like you you see the impact that you're making, the change that you're making in that company. Absolutely, and I can see it and almost see it. on a daily basis. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. And and I know you mentioned uh, you know SaaS as we all know you know SaaS Institute was uh, you know they have big data software analytics and it uh, seems Zencos is around that uh, within that realm as well as well. Where do you feel, Fritz, that big data and analytics is headed in the U.S. and even the global market? Do you see new trends? Kind of where do you where do you feel it's headed, or where did, where is it currently? Yeah. That's actually it's a great question. Uh, you know, and standing here at the at the SAS conference, where you know all day long we're hearing about analytics and data, um, and and the you know <laughs> the answer is actually I think pretty simple. Big data, 
big data itself is kind of passe. Everybody's been talking about big data forever. Uh, so, you know, it, it's not the problem that it used to be, although big data is getting bigger with all the devices and Internet of Things and all that stuff. But big data is getting bigger, but the capacity to hold it is, is uh, increasing with it. But what you're hearing now from every corner of the earth is the concept of machine learning and artificial intelligence. And, you know, so, yep. uh, you know, everybody is doing statistics now. You know, all the big companies say we're an analytics company. We're an analytics company. Well, SAS was the analytics company before, you know, analytics was cool. So, uh, but so, so what you're hearing all, you know, these days is, is machine learning, artificial intelligence. And the, the, I said this at a conference last year, the year before, somewhere along the line. Somebody asked me a similar question and I said, you know, right now everybody's playing with it, right? Everybody's in a sandbox with, with artificial intelligence. Everybody's messing around with it, trying to figure out what it can do. You know, where are we, in, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things? And what I see now, and, and I'm pretty sure about this and I've heard other people talk about it, is we're now beyond the sandbox phase. You know, things have shaken out. Now it's time for the rubber to meet the road. And, and all the people that have been talking about artificial intelligence, it's time to actually make it do something besides be on your phone, right? Because you've got Siri or whatever on your phone. It's, you know, let, we, we need to get beyond that. Um, that's not great artificial intelligence. That, that, that is what it is. So now I think, again, the rubber's hit the road. The people who've been talking about it have now got to put it into production in a big way, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in uh, retail, whether it's in manufacturing, you know, now is the time for people to actually do what they say they can do. And we're starting to see it. We're starting to see more of it. So, you know, you can expect whether you recognize it or not, you can expect more artificial intelligence in almost everything you say and do in your everyday life. And you may not know it, but it's there. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's crazy you say that because there's so much uh, there, there's all this hype. And I don't mean hype in a, in a yeah. bad way. I mean, obviously, I mean, my company does AI. We love it. AI and IoT, all these yeah. trending and emerging technologies. But the thing is, is with, with AI, you hear it. Uh, everyone just keeps talking about it. It's the new keyword, the new trending word right now, right? Yep. Kind of like entrepreneur, like startups, like all these new keyword, yeah. new words that keep coming out. And it, it seems like with, with big data, it's, it's putting AI to life. It's bringing it to life. It's it, visually. Yeah. yeah, it's time. Right. Yeah. That's why I say it's time, right? We, it's, it's time we quit talking about it. It's time we quit playing with it. And it's time to actually let it start to help us. You know, the, the idea about image scanning for doctors so that they can start to take a look at the, you know, thousands and millions of, of scans of people's bodies and start to diagnose from the scans, the artificial intelligence, the recognition, the picture recognition. It's time to actually have that stuff become part of our everyday lives. Um, and again, you know, it, it's out there today. Uh, most people may not see it. Uh, you know, there, there are things out there today when you buy an airplane ticket. Now, you may not recognize it, but when you buy that airplane ticket, something behind the scenes is processing all the big data and all the information, whatever, to make sure that the, you know, the ticket price that you pay is what they want you to pay. Now, I'm picking, you know, that's not a criticism of the airlines, right? Because, you know, auction sites do it. Um, actually, your, your energy companies do it. Uh, everybody's doing it, and they certainly do it every time you get on a browser and you've got an ad for something that they want you to go click on. And usually that ad is there for a reason, and it's not because it's random. It's because they know what you want, and they're going to put out there what you want based on all the data and your profile and all your habits. So, you know, it, it's all out there. Uh, you know, a lot of people are afraid of it, you know, and they're afraid of, they're afraid of it for, in my opinion, you know, some right reasons, some wrong reasons, but, you know, it's not going away. 
And that's yeah. the thing is, is we, we you know, it, it is not going away. It's just going to get bigger and it's going to get smarter and it's going to get better. And it's going to and ultimately going to help all of our lives. I believe that. Yeah. And, and, you know, do you feel like with connecting AI with big data, with, with data and analytics yeah. in general, do you feel that AI is going to make data even more accurate? Like, cause you know, sometimes we'll, we'll use a, a software, analytical software and uh-huh. the data isn't, isn't always, it's never almost a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. Do you think AI with that technology, it's going to make things even more accurate or how do you think it'll affect well, it in that aspect? You know, I, I, I saw a presentation yesterday of uh, a camera on the front of a train. And the camera on the front of the train is basically recording the track. It's watching the track. And it's got a trained model that's starting to recognize where the gravel on the track is starting to wear thin. And when the gravel that's around the rails and and the posts that go across the rails, when that gravel starts to get thin, it it actually causes the the tracks to wobble, which makes it uh, dangerous. So what's happening is is that, uh, you know, it's it's, uh, the, the model is starting to recognize when that's happening through, you know, through, we think about it, billions and billions and billions of frames of video. So is big, is, is artificial intelligence, intelligence going to make big data more accurate or make data more accurate? Yeah, yeah, I think it will, you know, based on what it gathers. But the other thing it's going to do is make data that maybe isn't as accurate better because it will be able to interpret data and understand when it's not as accurate as it needs to be. So you kind of win on both sides. That's yeah. great. I yeah. love it. And, and j- jumping a little bit here, Fritz. So with, you know, just more in regards to, you know, customer service, customer support, a lot of your experience with your, all of your experience in building and working with customer support uh-huh. teams in, in, in SAS and your past careers, and fostering trust with large, you know, with large enterprise level yeah. clients. What do you feel, or what is your best advice on ensuring the customer is happy? Uh, yeah, essentially, that's that's a good question too, right? Because there may not be a single, you know, there may not be a single data point or a single attribute, but um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it is making sure that the people that you have hired have the mentality of customer support, right? If you if you hire people whose attitude is, damn, I just want to get this person off the phone. I don't care about them. I don't care about their problem. I just want to get them off the phone so they're not bothering me anymore. So in other words, it's all about you and it's not about them. So you, you, you need to hire the people that, that you know, have in their mind, you know, the customer's important. And then once you've hired them, you need to make sure that you are incenting them and encouraging them and making sure that the, policy, the policies or the attitudes of your company make sure that they understand that the customer is important. Um, if, if, you, if the customer believes, honestly believes that you are there to help them and it's not a burden, you know, you are there to help them to, you know, to help them, you know, solve their problems, do their jobs. They will start to trust you. And if you are honest and, and uh, authentic about it, you know, you'll, you'll build those relationships with them and they'll want to continue to call you back. But they'll also want to continue to use whatever product that you're helping them. With. So, you know, you got to hire the right people and then you've got to make sure that you continually you know, preach what the values are that you have within your company to them. And you've got to not only walk the walk, I mean, or talk the talk, you got to walk the walk at the management level, the executive management level, and every aspect of the company. So, you know, it, it's not just one thing, but it is, it, it is something the, the company and the corporation has to believe in. If they don't, it's going to trickle down to the individuals on the other end of the support, whatever it is, and, and the support will never be as good as it can be. 
And, you know, Fritz, you mentioned uh, management and, and, and leadership and all that. So what do you really recommend other managers, leaders, and anyone working with customers directly to build trust the right way? Because we know trust is so important, right? Trust, yeah. building building trust with customers is is number one. I mean, the, building that long-term yeah. relationship. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I, I, I have a fairly solid belief that all management at some point or another should be in a customer support position. Everybody should have had to live a life. Everybody should need to understand, you know, what is it like on the phone when somebody is yelling at you because something in your product doesn't work, or at least they think it doesn't work, right? Or yelling at you because they're so stressed out uh, about what they need to do, or you know, they're they're or you know, calling you up and tell you how blissfully happy they are, right? But I I firmly believe that every manager, every every executive, every manager should have to do something at some point. Uh, to own some accountability to a customer. Uh, and I think it's too easy to get to the top of the food chain and go, yeah, you know, it's not my job anymore to talk to, you know, talk to the people that pay our bills. That is, a, in my opinion, that's a huge mistake. And I'm sure everybody's familiar, and I'll, I'll give a plug to Zappos. Uh, Zappos uh, basically makes everybody in their company go through a four-week training program. I think it's four weeks. And they have to be, they have to be able to take phone calls in their call center in Las Vegas, Nevada, right? And I and I, I think that is so cool. Uh, you know, I think everybody at whatever capacity, whatever your title is, should be able to handle handle a customer call. They should know enough about their company and the people in their company to be able to at least figure out, well, who can I go to 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 solve this problem? Because my philosophy is is it's your problem until it's resolved or until somebody who can resolve it takes it from you. Um, and that's something I learned a long time ago. You see it, it's your problem. You know, and you and it's up to you to now deal with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. And I really like what you mentioned before about the food, you know, the food chain kind of, you know, I, I've I've seen a lot of companies. What happens is, for example, um, you know, di- you know, directors, um, executives, uh, yeah. even even owners, CEOs of, of even small, not even large companies, not even c- companies the size of SaaS. I'm talking about much smaller companies, even with just a hundred people. Well, what right. happen is yeah. the, the the owners, um, for example, a good example is the owners won't have any direct contact with the customer at all to yeah. ensure happiness is there. You know what I mean? They kind of, they'll kind of delegate the work. And uh, although, I mean, I I believe delegation is important. Obviously you can't do all the work yourself, but you have to show some interaction with the customer, right? Because you're without your customer, you're nothing. You're going to go out of You're going to go out of business, right? Absolutely. You have to show attention to them to show that you really care. I think it's, it just goes down to that level. You know, I do, I do believe that occasionally, uh, and luckily it's not all the time, but I do believe occasionally people forget why you have customers, you know, and, you know, yeah. the goal, the goal is to have customers, not to make them go away. So, you know, <laughs> if, if the, if the executives at the company don't understand that or they forget it, you know, or, you know, they just distance themselves from that. Uh, I think that's a mistake. And I, I was just, uh, you know, I was just in the, the demo hall for uh, SAS global forum and walking around the, the floor was Dr. J- Jim Goodnight, you know, who's the founder and owner of SAS along with, uh, his COO and along with uh, his chief marketing officer and a few other people walking around talking to the customers and walking around talking to the partners who are, you know, helping them drive business. You know, that that act of walking around like that, the value of that can almost not be measured because they're going to talk to people, they're going to hear people, and the folks that pay their bills get a chance to say, hey, Dr. Goodnight, you know, we really love this or, you know, we're having a little trouble here. 
And like I said, I, I think you, you cannot measure the value of that. And I think it also comes down to, um, you know, the, the humility of that leader. And I'm talking about leader in yeah. terms of any type of, um, well, anyone can really be a leader. It's subjective. But I mean, in terms of leaders in the company, like managers or, yeah. or um, the directors, uh, owners, what have you, um, if they're showing attention to their customers, I think it shows a sense of humility. They're, they're, they're understanding, listen, you know, without you, we're nothing. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, um, you know, even spend just a few minutes with you seeing how you're doing. Yeah. How is this account doing? Are you guys happy? What problems do you have? What ways can we fix them? Yeah. What are the solutions? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think just getting down to that, that, um, that level of humility is so vital and important. Absolutely. And if, um, and if I could add one thing in here, and this is tangential, yeah. right? If you're if you're in a leader position, you know whether it's a frontline manager or all the way up to uh, you know the CEO of a big company, I think that the the idea of uh, you know uh, customers customer support, customer management, uh, customer appreciation, I think that those folks all need to translate that down into their employees as well, because a lot of what you would do for your customers are the same things you should do for your employees. And I used to say all the time, I just as soon go downstairs, walk around the cafeteria, talk to the guy who's sweeping the floors, you know, talk to the people that are making the food or talk to the people uh, that are in the marketing department or whatever else. I want, you know, I, I think, you know, you, you learn more from talking to folks like that and your customers than you're going to talking to the, um, the CEO of the company. So it translates into your employees as well. Yeah. And, and what do you feel for it? So what would your beer, what would your definition be of building a great customer experience? Like just on a, on a high level, on a, a bird's eye perspective, what would you feel is a, is a, is a great and amazing customer experience? Well, when the, when the customer, uh, you know, people pay for the use of the software, let's just say, let's just, you know, whatever software or whatever service you, you've got, you know, they're paying right. for the use of it. Um, and in today's world, they have options. So they can go pay somebody else at the same time. And, and a lot of times, you know, we all know this. We all know this in the industry or whatever industry that there is just a fine line of difference between, you know, this piece of software, that piece of software. So which one they pick, a lot of times there's very little difference. It almost doesn't matter. And we all know that. So at the end of the day, then what's the difference? The customer experience is what the difference is. So you teach, you, you treat your customers like, you know, you know, like dirt. Well, they're just going to go walk next door to, you know, maybe the place that's just not quite as good, but they make them feel like that, that you want them there. So the great customer experience is where they're, you know, where they want to come back. They want to come back year over year and they want to interface with you over and over and over again. We always, you know, one of the things we said at SAS was if we're not getting calls into tech support, we've probably got a problem. So we can look at all the customers that are calling in. And if we look through there and we and we find some customers that we think are happy, but they're not calling into support or they're not taking some sort of a training. If we can't find that they're interacting with us on those levels, we need to call that customer because we probably got a problem. So if they want to interact mm -hmm. with you, that's a great customer experience. And do you feel there's certain um, uh, there's a certain process involved in regards to uh ensuring the customer experience is successful, for example, in terms of touching base with your customer once mm -hmm. a week or twice, what, what kind of has worked for you and your teams in regards to that? Like more of the, the, the process or the strategy to ensure that they're receiving the love that they deserve kind of thing, you well, know? I think a little bit of that goes back to understanding your data. data. It was kind of what I was saying about, you know, we can look through our data mm -hmm. and know who's been in contact with us. We can look in our, in, in our, um, our sales uh, systems to see who we've reached out to, uh, you know, so 
you know, my attitude was is somebody needs to be touching a customer on some regular basis. And I don't really care necessarily uh, if it's the sales team or if it's our customer loyalty team or other folks. Somebody needs to reach out and just say, hey, how's it going? And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you get a good answer. Maybe you don't. If you don't get a good answer, well, you, have, you got some sort of a follow up you need to do. Uh, we didn't have a we didn't have a strict pattern about how often we'd contact people. Uh, but we knew there were some customers that uh, were not in a sales cycle. So let's not have a sales team call them because they don't want to talk. They don't want to talk to the salespeople. Right. It's the wrong time. So we would have the customer loyalty team who don't have a sales target. They are literally calling to say, what can I do for you? You know, is there something I can do to clear a path, you know, knock over an obstacle? Um, so some of it, it comes down to knowing your customer, knowing what they're doing, knowing where they are and having the right people touch base with them on whatever interval you want to touch base. The customers that were a lot of times extremely unhappy with us is like, you know, we haven't heard from you guys in six years. How come? Right. And and they'd always, you know, and if it's like, well, you know, it's, if, if we're not, if it's because we're not selling anything or we're not buying anything, well, you don't care about us, right? All you care is if we're going to buy something. So we tried to take the attitude that we're going to have somebody touch base as often as we can, but not always for the sake of trying to make another dollar. Just, you know, let, let's just make sure they're happy and they keep coming back every year. But we didn't have a regular cadence to it. Yeah. And it's funny how, how everything's integrated, yeah. isn't it, Fritz? For example, every, on a holistic perspective, Everything is so, uh, everything ties in together, like the customer loyalty team, right? The customer support sales, because if they're all doing their job, then it's easier to upsell. It's easier to, to make more money, right? Because they're happy. They feel the love. They're feeling that you guys care. So even if things are wrong, I mean, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but at the same time, if you touch base with them and you're following up with the customer, you're letting them know, Hey, there's a, you know, we, we understand there's a problem where we, you know, we're here to support you and and fix this problem. Uh, Here's the solution or what have you that sometimes that's all it takes. Even if you don't fix it immediately, sometimes just having that conversation will lead to more sales in the future. So really all, everything just kind of ties in together. Right. So it's, it's crazy. Absolutely. And sometimes you do it on purpose. Sometimes you do it by accident, frankly, you know, it's not always a prescribed approach, but you know, we all know it's easier to upsell to a happy customer. We all know that. So do what you can do to make, you know, to keep them on a, on a happy or even keel. The other thing to keep in mind, and I think most people in consulting know this, it, it, it's a lot more expensive to fix something that's broken than to get it right the first time. And it may cost you some money to get it right the first time, but it is way, way more expensive to fix it once it's broken. So try to get it right the first time. Yeah, yeah. And what do you feel people do wrong when they deal with customers? What have, what have kind of you seen oh, that yeah, tr- they, it, some, sometimes tr- people do wrong? Sure, they treat them, as, treat them oh, yeah. as a commodity, right? I don't care about you. Don't really care what you do. Don't really care what your industry is. Hey, but what can I sell you? <laughs> you know, and, you know, it, 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 customers are smarter than that. You know, they, you know, I, I tell, I used to tell people all the time, you know, when you pick up the phone and call somebody and they treat you badly, you know it and you complain about it. So why would you think that that works any better when you call somebody else and treat them badly, right? So look at it from their point of view. So show them, you know, if you don't show them respect, uh, if you're, and if you're not sincere, you're just trying to force something down their throat because you've got a target to make. Now, you know, everybody's, you know, typically everybody's got some sort of target they're trying to hit. But uh, the good sales reps that I've been around in my life, they understand the right thing to do today, knowing that it may be building for what they need to do tomorrow. And if you do the wrong thing today, there is no tomorrow. So treat your customer, you know, just it, it, treat them with respect. 
just like you would expect yourself to be treated. You know, you do that and your customers, you know, they'll accept a lot of maybe mediocre things, you know, either from your company or in life from you. They'll accept them uh, a whole lot easier if they feel like that at least they're honest mistakes and you're treating the prospects, you take accountability for what you're doing. Um, but don't treat them, you know, don't treat them like a commodity. I don't care if it's a $50,000 sale, you know, in a, in a big company uh, or it's a $10 million sale. Treat them with respect, uh, just like you would want yourself to be treated. Yeah, I think also adding to that, having having uh, yeah. um, the right intentions and motives, you know, I think people can. I think nowadays there's a there's a from what I've seen in business in yeah. general there's a lack yeah. of trust. It's hard to trust people just because everyone's been. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've all been screwed yeah. over one way or another, right? So it's hard to it really is. So it's hard to trust people. So when when uh, I, I think when it comes to the, you know you're selling a product or service, um, or you're supporting that product or service. It comes down to yeah. investing in people. People are not just going to invest in the in, in SaaS or or Zencos or whatever it may be. Yeah. They're going to invest in that person. They're like, man, I like this person that's selling me this. Yeah. They're representing their brand very well. I like the way they're they're, they're approaching yeah. me. They're providing me with a lot of value. Yeah. They're understanding me and my wants and needs, well, and I want to work with them what, because what of I'm, the way they're handling me. Exactly you know, the most popular so, thing. Uh, let's just say in a software company. Uh, and, but and you can insert company here. It, I'm not talking about anybody in particular, and it doesn't have to be about software. But that you know, if we're talking about software, analytic software, any other kind, it's a tool. That's all it is. It's a tool. And if you hand it to somebody uh, and say, "Here's your tool," it's like handing a screwdriver, a saw, a hammer, whatever. Well, if you've never held a hammer in your life, what do you do with a hammer? I don't know. If you've never held a circular saw, what do you do with the circular saw? I don't know. Right. So there's tools. At the end of the day. Tools are used by people. So if you don't have people within your company that are experts, that can communicate, that can do the right thing with your customer, you are giving them something that's simply a commodity that they don't know how to use. So at the end of the day, it's about people. It's not about the tool. Yeah, I love it. It's so true. It really is, it really is about people. Um, and, and just kind of going back... Yeah to your, your SAS days, Fritz, uh, SAS Institute, you were there for, you know, for many, many years. And, and what was a, a specific, and I'll let you choose, you can choose funny or whatever's memorable to you, but what was a specific memory or oh, story man. that you, know, you would really like to share for 34 with us? Years, yeah, that, 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 that's a really hard one, being so someplace for so many years. Um, you know, I, I could do sentimental things. Like I said, I, I, you know, having people come up to me and, and talk about, you know, that I made a difference. Uh, and, and that's probably the thing I would, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, having people say that you made a difference was uh, it, it, it um, it's the greatest thing in the world. And, uh, you know, tell, tell me somebody that I changed their life or that I said something that allowed them to move forward to do something that they didn't think they could do. You know, some of this goes back to my days at the University of Oklahoma when I was a swim coach. My job was to get people to do something they didn't believe they could do whether it was, you know, swim faster than they've ever swum before. And I also coached adults. And, I, and I, my, my job with coaching adults who had never raced, never swum before, was to get them out of a comfort zone and to do something that they'd never done. So I would say, you know, anytime somebody came up to me and said, and say, do you remember? And this changed my life. And that happened, thankfully, a lot of times. And, um, the, you know, all the people that did it, I, I, I can't thank them enough for making sure that I knew that. Uh, a funny moment. I, we used to teach with transparencies, you know, film, 
uh, and we, you know, we have, we've had a class with 400 pages. So you had 400 pages of transparencies. And it was important that they were in the right order because they matched the books that the people had. This is in the olden days when people had books, right? And I'm driving to the airport because I got to go teach a class someplace. And I, was, I had a little pickup truck and I had a briefcase full of my 400 transparencies in the back of it. And I'm, I'm going to an RDU and I'm pulling in and I'm pulling in. An RDU wasn't as big in those days. I look in the rearview mirror just in time to see 400 transparencies fly out of my briefcase onto the highway on the back of the road, you know, and I'm panicking because in those days we didn't have backups. I mean, if you didn't have your transparencies, you had nothing. And I'm swerving over to the court on the road, you know, getting out on my hands and knees on almost on the highway, you know, trying to gather all these transparencies, which are now in a random order so that I can get on my plane, spend all night long trying to figure out what I've got and what I don't have. But, you know, it, it, if you can't laugh at yourself, and that's the other thing, if you can't laugh at yourself, you know, you need to figure it out, you know, because sometimes, Funny things just happen, you know, and, and and it all works out, right? It all works out. Yeah. yeah. It does. It's, you know, I think it's important. I, you know, I know you touched on, on helping people and um, it being memorable and, and, and uh, yeah. being an influence, inspiration and other people, especially being a leader at the same time, I always tell people this, you know, in my opinion, yeah. When you die, you're not taking any of these things with you, right? So it's good for you to leave a positive footprint of inspiration, encouragement to, uh, to uh, you know, to the, to the people yep. that you interact with in your life, you know, because you don't know their story, you don't know where they're from, you don't know what they're going through. So for you as a leader, yep. um, in in business or even just in life in general, when you're treating yep. the the uh, the, the small guy, like you treat the big guy, it's, well, it, you, know, you know, I think, I think that goes a long way and it says a lot and, about yourself. You know, if somebody so. listening to this, hears it and, and a light bulb goes on, then we've done our job today, right? Treat everybody, treat everybody with the same respect. Um, whether it's Dr. Goodnight, who's, you know, obviously one of the most wealthy men in the country, or it's, again, it's the person who's working for Dr. Goodnight, who's cleaning up the tile floors, mm -hmm. you know, they're just people. And as you said, you don't know where they are in life. And you never know when you're going to have a positive or negative impact on them. So, you know, never underestimate the small conversation you have with someone. Yeah. And this really ties into the, uh, one of the final questions is, is, you know, you being a strong business leader, Fritz, do you have any advice mm -hmm. or tips for future or current leaders on what they need to do to ensure and maintain success? Sure. Uh, you know, simple things. I, I mentioned perseverance early. Um, too many people want to be Dr. Goodnight. They want to be the CEO of SAS Institute and they want to do it in one year, right? So you, you've got to have some sense of reasonableness when you get into things. Now, you know, should it take 34 years to get to where I got when I retired? Yeah, I don't know. It took me 34 years to get there. Um, would it take everybody? Yeah, no, probably not. Uh, That's your story people, though. Yeah, but it, it's exactly right. That's what it took for me. And, you know, that was the road I took. But perseverance is important. And then the other thing, I think maybe the, the most important thing, other than treat people with respect, I can't say that enough. The other most important thing is never stop learning and never quit looking at yourself and looking at what's around you and trying to have honest self-evaluation about what you're doing and where you are. Because uh, a lot of times people will not give you the feedback you need. So, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough to look at yourself honestly. But if you keep growing and you keep watching and you keep listening, uh, you'll find the feedback you need to get better. And in my opinion, people simply don't listen enough. But keep growing, keep learning. And if need be, 
change your job, go do something else. Uh, you know, it, it just, it's all part of the learning process that's going to take you on whatever journey you're going to take. But just keep learning and listen. Listen to what people tell you because it's amazing what people will tell you if you listen to them. Fantastic. That's well. That's that's amazing yeah. advice. Appreciate that. So, just final last final three questions. I always ask every single interviewee, yeah. Francis. I call them the three hows. So, how would you define okay. failure? How would you define business? And how would you define success? How would I define failure? Oh man. Um, geez. It, it seems like. I mean, I, I have failed so many times. Um, and I've known every single time I failed. I, it's, it, nobody had to tell me on a lot of them. I, I certainly heard about it a lot of times. Uh, but failure is not living up to the expectations that have been set by someone or something, right? There's something written down. There's rules. There's regulations. Or you made a promise to somebody. Uh, or or the people around you did if you're in a high-level management position, right? Something something didn't live up to somebody's expectations. And um, how you handle that is as important as how you handle success. And, in fact, I think most people need to handle failure. Uh, it's, it's a learning point for you. It's something, uh, uh, that you need to take and learn from. If you don't ever fail, I don't know how you grow, frankly. So uh, I'm not sure if I answered that question. What was the second one? And, uh, how do you define business and how do you define success? Uh, how do I define business? You know, uh, that, that's a good one too, because for me, business was, uh, just, it was just, uh, what I got up and did every morning. Um, I, I never really looked at it like business. I never really looked at it so much like a job. I just looked at it as something I enjoyed doing. So I don't know, business is, is uh, whatever it is you want to define it to be. But uh, for me, it was, it was, uh, it was a joy. Uh, uh, I loved, uh, you know, there were certainly times I didn't love it as much, but I loved my 34 years of business. I loved my 34 years of what I did. Uh, it's probably not an answer to the question, but I think that's as close as I'm going to get. So yeah, it seems like you love dealing with people. Yeah, that's what I, it seems I do. Like. I, I love dealing with people. I love, uh, well, you know, success for me, and I, I'll kind of jump to the next one. Success for me was always the attitude that wherever I've been, whoever has worked for me, whoever I've coached will end up being better than I was. My, my goal, and I, I used to say this in my staff meetings, especially early on. I said, my goal is for each of you to grow, to be better, uh, rise higher and be more successful, you know, back, whatever that means to you, uh, than I was. That was always my goal. I was never the kind of manager that wanted to put somebody under my boot. You know, I wanted all of them to succeed at a greater level than me. So for me, success was watching people that came up underneath me and went on to do well. And as long as I had people do that, I was happy. You know, to me, that is success. That's a, a perfect, uh, perfect way of ending the, this, this episode for it. So really appreciate it. So where can everyone find you? Your, uh, you know, social media website. Yeah, you can, you can find me Fritz Lehman, uh, on uh, LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. Um, if you, if you message me on LinkedIn, I'll be happy to message you back. I can give you my email address. Uh, um, happy to talk to anybody. I, I, I do enjoy the interaction with people. Um, and if people are being sincere and they want my, you know, they want advice, help, whatever you want to call it, I'm happy to talk to you. So look for me on LinkedIn, send me a message and I'll respond. Amazing. Thank you so much, Fritz, for being a part of this podcast and, and essentially sharing your story with us. I'm very thankful, very humbled. Um, yeah. and I'm, I'm appreciative. So, so thank you again. Well, well, thank you. Invite me back someday. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And this is your host, Michael Giorgio on Tales from the Pros. And until next time, thanks, guys.